0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Community Bible Church. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged, and inspired by this message. For other sermons or more information, visit us at gracebiblechurch.org.au Turn to Psalm 23. God has laid this um, on my heart to share with you. Psalm 23. I know some of you know this Psalm by heart. You probably need not even open the scriptures, but I encourage you to please pick up the copy of God's word and open Psalm 23. This may be the most beloved, most sung, most prayed, and most studied poem in the Psalter. There are 150 Psalms, and if you are new to christianity if you're new to the bible or if you're just visiting today these things may be um, very new to your ear but psalm 23 is something even if you're not a believer you went to a funeral somewhere and you may hear somebody read from psalm 23 before we unpack this passage there are a few things i would like to bring to your attention how this psalm is placed as i already mentioned there are 150 psalms Psalm 23, of course, is preceded by Psalm 22, and then following Psalm 23, we have Psalm 24. I quickly would like, to, um, like you to pay attention here, how the Holy Spirit has put the Scriptures. In Psalm 23, of course, if you look at the first verse, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Only if you study Psalm 22, you will quickly come to know about the suffering servant. So while Psalm 23 is my shepherd, Psalm 22 is my servant. And if you look at Psalm 22, verse 1, it you know, the way it stands, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, those were exactly the words that were uttered from. The cross. Psalm 24. If you look at Psalm 24. The one that follows Psalm 23. You know here the picture. The image that is uh, brought out about. The king of glory. Verse 10. Who is the king of glory? The lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. So there we see the sovereign. So in 22 we see the servant. Here in Psalm 23 we see the shepherd and in Psalm 24 we will see the sovereign. There are a few other things. In Psalm 22 we see the servant suffering. Here we will see the, servant, the shepherd providing. And in 24 we will see the sovereign reigning. Doesn't end with that. There are a few more things. In Psalm 22 something that's past. Calvary's cross is 2000 years old. Psalm 22 is something that's past. Psalm 23 is present. And how appropriate to look at this passage because we are living in the present. And of course, Psalm 24 will be future, a day that is coming. And one more thing here as we zero it to Psalm 23. But we are looking at Psalm 22 and 24 next to Psalm 23. In Psalm 22, we see the symbol of the cross. In Psalm 23, we'll see the symbol of the crook, what the shepherd holds in his hand. And in Psalm 24 we will see the crown. So I would like to start with this Psalm 23 here, not isolating the other scripture that is even next to Psalm 23. The great Baptist preacher Charles herdon Spurgeon called Psalm 23 "the pearl." of psalms and you and i know how valuable something like Paul is millions of people have memorized this psalm and i won't be surprised that's you you over here or your child even can stand up and recite psalm 23 all those six verses ministers have used it to comfort people who are going through severe personal trials suffering illness or even dying For some, the words of this psalm have been the last they have uttered in life. Using common ancient Near Eastern images in Psalm 23, David, who is the author of this psalm, progressively unveils his personal relationship with the Lord. As you look at verse 1, he says, The Lord, who is Yahweh, he says, is my shepherd on a very personal note does david write this i quickly would like to give you the framework of this psalm so that you understand the, how the structure is before we look into the details it's a very straightforward uh, plain um, framework of this of the psalm that we find over here verses 1 to verse 4b that's midway of the of verse 4 we see it's a speech about the lord he says the lord is my shepherd he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me he restores my soul he guides me for his name's sake even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i fear no evil for you are with me so it's a speech about the lord then we come to the middle part of that psalm which is slightly different if you look at verse 4 but the last part of verse 4 he says your road your staff they comfort me so it's a speech to the lord and then he says the same thing in verse 5 you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you have anointed my head with oil my cup overflows and then how does the Psalm end the structure there is again, the writer returns, the author returns, the poem poet returns to talk about the Lord, speech about the Lord. Verse 6, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And he understands where that goodness and loving kindness comes from. And he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Speech about the Lord. One thing is clear at the outset, even as we look at the structure and the framework. The Lord, Yahweh, is the focus of the psalm. And the Lord is described here as my shepherd. And this is something that you will probably see on the screen, how even the outline comes about. The psalmist famously writes... One of the favorite verses out of all these six for many people, of course, after verse one is verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. And even the reason is given over there, why? For you are with me. Francis Schaeffer, in his book, The God Who Is There, references a tragic poem Found within the body of a 23 year old young woman and drug addict who had committed suicide. The note read King, heroine, or heroine, I would say, is my shepherd. I shall always want. He maketh me to lie down in the gutters. He leadeth me beside the troubled waters. He destroyeth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of wickedness. Yea, I shall walk through the valley of poverty and will fear no evil for thou, thou heroine, art with me. Thy needle and thy capsule comfort me. Thou strippest the table of groceries in the presence of my family. Thou robest my head of reason. My cup of sorrow runneth over. Surely heroin addiction shall stalk me. It's like tracking me or following me, pursuing me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the damned forever. 23-year-old young woman and drug addict who had committed suicide left this note. There's another death story. Edward Ewing, at 42, his gaunt, gigantic frame bore all the marks of age and weakness. His face was wasted, his hair white. His voice broken, his eyes restless and unquiet. As November drew to its close, his feebleness increased till it was evident that his life was rapidly passing away. His mind began to wander. Those who watched at his bedside could not understand the broken utterances spoken in an unknown tongue by his faltering voice. But at last, it was found that he was repeating to himself in Hebrew. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. It was with something like its old power that the dying voice swelled as it uttered the glorious conviction. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Of course, he's about to die. He says, I will fear no evil. The last articulate words that fell from his lips were, If I die, I die unto the Lord. Amen. And with this he passed away at midnight on psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. What a contrast between two deaths. Perhaps what is most obvious and yet most missed in the 23rd Psalm is the role of the shepherd as opposed to every other influence placed upon our lives. You know, as I I look at this and and as I consider our own lives, I, I see three categories that we can fall into. Category number one, we could be like this drug addict. Begin our life, live our life, end our life, and there's, No hand of the shepherd ever upon my life and I exit. And then there could be those like King David. Who will come and submit to the great chief good shepherd. But the reason I have to stand up here and speak. Is because there is a danger for being in the third category. Which is kind of in the middle category. Which is where you do recognize Psalm 22 and the suffering servant, the king. Who is to come but who are suffering in a you know, thorn of crowns for you. You may recognize him, you may acknowledge him as my shepherd. But if you have a close examination put upon your life. He is not really your shepherd. He is but you are not giving him all that he must have upon you. So believers be aware. Because submitting completely the steering of your life to the great shepherd can be a struggle. Today, too many false shepherds are fighting for the top spot in our life. Too many false shepherds are fighting for the top spot in your life. You know, every comfort not grounded in Christ is a false comfort, a destructive comfort. Every other comfort, whether as obviously false and destructive as no, heroin or not is a false and destructive comfort nonetheless. Jesus Christ, the one who have been, we have been singing all throughout this morning, alone purely has our good at heart. And he alone has the wisdom to guide us there. Let's, all, let's meet our shepherd here in Psalm 23. Not on our terms, but on his terms and conditions. I would say sheep, because that's one of our designations. Sheep, do yourself a favor. Surrender to your great shepherd's care. Don't delay. Don't leave it to another year. Surrender completely to your great shepherd's care, so that you can enjoy every piece, every segment, Every season designed for your Christian journey. Sheep meet your shepherd. That is the loud voice of Psalm 23. Because you will find here, first of all, your shepherd is very, very passionate about looking after you. He is. About your upkeep. He's very passionate. And so, this is what we find here our shepherd's passionate preservation here in verse 1. David understanding says, The Lord is my shepherd, he says. What an amazing combination of ideas. First of all, you look at the first part of the verse, the Lord, Yahweh. The second part, very personal, my shepherd. The word Lord. Is the English translation of the great Old Testament personal name for God. First disclosed to Moses at the burning bush. As told in Exodus 3 and then repeated more than 4,000 times in the pages of the Old Testament. That's the name David refers to. The name literally means I am who I am. What was remarkable to Moses at the burning bush? Think about that event, that incident. What was remarkable to Moses at the burning bush? Well, you find the answer for that in that account in Exodus 3. And what you find over there is that the bush was burning. And it was burning with fire, yet it was not consumed. When have you watched something like that? Burns and burns and but doesn't get consumed. That must have taken Moses' breath away. And as was what he witnessed, so note the word Lord here is an inexhaustible name. Chiefly it refers to God's timelessness. On the one hand, and also a self-sufficiency on the other. Self-sufficiency means that God needs nothing. He needs no wisdom from anyone else. He has all wisdom in himself. He needs no power. or For all powerful he is. Nor is he accountable to anyone. He answers only to himself. That's how self-sufficient we are. Unlike us. We, we are not. We, we sometimes pretend that we can handle everything in our life, but we really can't. Timelessness here means that God is always the same. He was like this yesterday, He will be like this tomorrow, He will be unchanged and unchangeable forever. So combining those two things here, self-sufficiency and timelessness is what we find in the name of the Lord. And that's the name David takes the Lord. Second, this amazing combination of ideas is the word shepherd. In Israel, as in other ancient societies, a shepherd's work was considered the lowest of all walks. If a family needed a shepherd, it was always the youngest son. So, of course, you know the story of David, the youngest in the family, who got this unpleasant assignment. Why unpleasant? Shepherds had to live with the sheep 24 hours a day. And the task of caring for them was unending. Day and night. Summer and winter. Fair weather or foul weather. They labored to nourish, guide and protect the sheep. You just can't leave them on their own. There will be trouble. Who in his right mind would choose to be a shepherd? Yet the Lord, Yahweh, has chosen to be our shepherd. David says, The great God of the universe has stooped to take just such care of you and me. This is an Old Testament statement, of course, but Christians can hardly forget that the metaphor was also taken up by Jesus and applied to Himself. And that's what we heard in the Bible reading today. The Lord Jesus Christ is our good shepherd. Luke 15 also talks about this, also mentions this. Jesus uh, Jesus defended mingling with tax collectors and sinners by saying, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on the shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. And you can put yourself there. Is sitting here a coincidence? You were once that lost sheep, also, whom the Lord Jesus Christ has carried on his shoulders into the kingdom. And a good shepherd does walk such as this. And Luke continues saying, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so the sheep, the shepherd relationship, how much the shepherd cares for each one. And you are that each one this morning. I I don't know your backgrounds. I I don't know what you have gone through in life. What you are going through right now. Let me introduce you. To your shepherd, who is the Lord. And such is this psalm, one of the reasons it's become so popular. And uh, amongst, amongst all the other psalms. Why? Because the God who created the heavens and the earth, sea and dry land, who shepherded Israel out of the bondage in Egypt, this grand cosmic Lord also cares for you. Think about it. You compare yourself to this gigantic cosmos out there. The Lord takes care of that. And he says in his word here, he's passionate to care about you. Do you even recognize that? You should because if the Lord is your shepherd, look at the next part of the verse. Verse 1, I shall not want And that's the condition you will be in. It is not only the first half of the first line that is important. However, the second half is important too. The focus of the word want is not so much on the idea of desiring something as on lacking something needed. So once you translate that last part from the Hebrew, it comes something like this the lord is my shepherd i shall suffer no lack the idea of want sometimes can be deceiving if jesus is my shepherd i can ask for a ferrari tomorrow if jesus is my shepherd i can ask anything i want and he will give it to me because he says so. so so it's it's deceiving that way the idea is that you will not lack something that you need yes you he 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 will not give you a ferrari tomorrow because you'll go down that motorway very fast and kill yourself or if i can just play this tax lotto and win all this money and then i'll give it to the mission's work no 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 once you win that money you will pocket it and who knows what your life will become i've even read articles that those who had won a large sum of money didn't even live long because because now they have so much money. People were after their life so they can kill them and take their money. For the ancient Near East culture to which David was speaking, the concept of shepherding meant provision, direction, protection at the least. And to say that Yahweh is shepherd, David insists, necessarily means there can be no true need in his presence. Do you believe that? If Jesus is your shepherd, there will be no true need in his presence. This is not a statement of the smallness of our need, but of the greatness of the shepherd. Given the sheep shepherd metaphor, the term may simply or imply something such as, I do not lack any necessity. Walking on this word, lack, I would like to take your attention to the book of James. If you can quickly turn there, you can pick, keep a finger here in Psalm 23, we will come back. James chapter 4. Something that we are troubled with that paralyzes many, is James chapter 4 verse 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source is not the source of your pleasures that wage warn your members, you lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. you are envious and you cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel, you do not have because you do not ask you notice that aspect over there mentioned about you know when you lack something conflicts and quarrels Happens in the homes, workplace, with neighbors. Sometimes once those who were your best friends, no longer are. And the lack that is there now, if that is not taken care of rightly, it can be chaos. And those are real things we go through in life. Psalm 23 says the Lord is my shepherd I shall suffer no lack if there is an opportunity to save a relationship if there is an opportunity to get over some challenge and trouble that you are going through the shepherd of Psalm 23 says I will make sure you pass through this storm and you get on the other side reconcile you will suffer no lack and there are many other passages I can take you as such Psalm 34:10 also captures the same thing your young lions can go without and be hungry but those who seek the Lord lack for nothing good left to themselves we are told sheep lack everything they are the most helpless animals but if we belong to the one who is sufficient or one who is self-sufficient, inexhaustible, utterly unchanged by time, we will lack lack nothing, because he is sufficient for all things. He will provide for us. So why is our shepherd, or because our shepherd is passionate about our upkeep, our preservation. Verses 2-6 to tell us that in the good care of the shepherd, we will suffer no lack. So what are those things that we will suffer no lack? Well, in our shepherd's care, there will be plentiful provision. And verses 2 and 3 capture that for us. The Lord provides. He provides mightily. I know that, at least a little bit I know about your church, is that this is not your own facility. So you lack your own facility. Don't give hope. Don't lose heart. If there is a need, your good shepherd will fulfill that need. You will suffer no lack. He provides. He's a mighty provider. And here in verse 2 we see, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That's what David says. This is rather odd, quite odd. I'll tell you in a bit why. Before I get to that, why that is odd, Philip Keller has himself had an experience being a farmer for eight years and he has written a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, it throws light on this Psalm and quite helpful and I want want to share some of that with you this morning, Something to know about the sheep. Now some of you may have farming background here, so you would better understand. I don't. So I take help from Keller here. Keller says that sheep do not lie down easily. In fact, he says it is almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. Requirement number one, owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free of all fear. If, if, if the sheep is fearful and you want to make the sheep lie down, it won't happen. They must be free of fear. Second thing he says, because of the social behavior within a flock, sh- within a flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. Thirdly, if tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when free of this pest can they relax. And lastly, he says, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. They must be free from hunger. These are four requirements that must be met when we come to verse 2. Where David says he makes me lie down in green pastures. Fear, friction, flies and famine. These four things. The sheep must be free from. And as Keller notes only the shepherd can help the sheep. By meeting those needs. And the the shepherd is there. And shepherd can provide the trust, peace, deliverance and pasture that is needed to free the sheep from these things. It is interesting that the psalm begins at this point. We might, and this is the thing I was saying, I was just hold on, I will bring you here. Note something here, very interesting in this psalm. We might expect this psalm or some sort of activity, we might expect it to begin with motion. You understand motion, movement, right? With some kind of activity, either by the shepherd or the sheep, but strikingly it begins with rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The psalmist begins with rest, unlike us who are so workaholics, Running, Around probably too hard. Sometimes. The world says. Walk. 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 Jesus says the first thing he gives. And the first thing you get. Is rest. Hence the emphasis here. Is not on food. But. On full stomach. When would a sheep. Be found in a resting posture. Fully satisfied. A full tummy. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Ever feel you. Ever feel like you are just running and running. But not getting anywhere. Does life ever feel that way? No contentment. Always wanting something. Always feeling a lack. Or worse still, the only reward you get from trying harder is to get thrown down on your back. It's a common problem in the cat and mouse race of today's go, go, go society. Yet we need to make time for God. A common thread that runs through all the greatest heroes of the Bible including Jesus, the son of God, David, Daniel, Moses and even Mary. Is that they all took time out of their heroic schedule to spend in refreshment, meditation and communication with God. We need to make time for God it is a reminder that christian life also begins with resting in god or christ along there along the way there'll be there'll be times so in time be many things for us to do i'm not saying that we become lazy and don't do anything i'm not pro- promoting that but what i'm saying is we begin by resting in him who has done everything for us This is an instance you find with the Apostle Paul. If you look at his one season of his life, one piece of his life, one segment of his life, where he's tormented by Satan in 2 Corinthians 12. And he runs to the Lord and he cries out to the Lord and he pleads to the Lord, Set me free! I can't take this anymore. This torment is too much for me. He does it once. He does it the second time. And he does it the third time. It's good to express your problem and your trouble. So does Paul. But it's also very interesting and important to hear what our good shepherd will say to his suffering sheep. And you know what he says, I think it will be better, better save you if you turn there, Second Corinthians 12, because what you will see, the good shepherd does not give the apostle Paul a set of three things to do. He doesn't tell apostle Paul, you go do some 40 day fasting, you get rid of these things, you add these things into your life, and you meet these terms and conditions, and then those are things that we do not find here. The thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan that verse 7 talks about. He says he's tormenting me. And he says in verse 8. I've come to you Lord. Three times. Look what the Lord says. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul rest in me. I'm not going to give you a list of things that you have to do or don't do. I'm able to make you lie down in green pastures Paul. Rest in me. Don't we find that same truth echoed by our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew eleven twenty eight? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He also said in John six thirty five, "I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes me will never be thirsty." And before he was crucified, he told his disciples, peace I live with you. My peace I give you. You know, we have seen a lot of world news. And one of those uh, very fresh in our our minds is uh, the war between uh, Russia and Ukraine. Now, from sources that I heard from, there were a lot of Christians in Ukraine. Oh, lords of brothers and sisters in Christ living in this war-torn nation. And now comes the bombs. Now, we saw pictures of those departing, leaving everything behind. Pictures that are shown to us, even even of little children, their face stick to the... Uh, to the glass of the train the window of the train and you and you, and you look at the picture of that. and you try and figure it out you know but for me i will say don't look at the picture of the face of the external but i wonder how many of those living in that war torn nation when they were to leave they left with peace cuz we are all foreigners here anyway we're aliens our true home is heaven and even as they were displaced they could still rest in Jesus and how many of them were calling themselves Christians but at that hour they become very restless thinking that the shepherd can't now in this particular war torn situation he stopped being functional John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Moving on, another aspect of our shepherd's plentiful provision is he says in verse 3. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. And so you shall not lack life. The Hebrew idiom here, the words restore my soul can mean... Brings me to repentance or conversion, but since the word translated "soul" is actually life, the metaphor here is that of shepherding. The word probably means the Lord restores me to physical health or even salvation. Again, Philip Keller is helpful here as he illustrates this, and he says. That there's a there's a situation known to the shepherds called caste, cast, C A S T, or cast down. What happens is this: a heavy, fat, or long fleeced sheep will lie down comfortably in some little hollow or depression in the ground. Maybe that's their cushion then after laying there for a while the sheep what we will try to do will try and become more comfortable and then we will try and you know roll its body one way or the other remember it's a heavy fat long fleece sheep as it is rolling on its side slightly to stretch out and relax suddenly the center of gravity in the body shifts so that it turns on its back now. So all four legs are up now. When that happens, the sheep will have a sense of panic. Why? Because it wants to regain its previous position. And during this time of panic, it starts to paw f- frantically. This is scared. Frequently, we are told this only makes things worse for the sheep. It rolls over even further, we are told. Now it is quite impossible for it to regain its feet. In this position, when the sheep is lying that way, gases build up in the body, cutting off the circulation to the four legs that are facing up. And often it is only a matter of few hours before the sheep dies. The only one who can restore the sheep to health is the shepherd. Sometimes we are like cast sheep. We are spiritually on our backs. Quite helpless. But Jesus comes to us when we are in this condition as he did to the apostle Peter who denied him with oaths and cursing. At one time he said to Jesus, God forbid you go to the cross. What in the world was he thinking saying that the very purpose for why Jesus came was to go to the cross. And then later on, you know, he says, I don't know this man. After 30 years, God allows Peter, the same Peter who did these things, to write about him. First Peter and second Peter. That must tell us something about the kind of shepherd that Peter was dealing with here. You know, lots of failures in Peter's life. Even after witnessing the crucifixion, witnessing the resurrection. In John 21, what do we find? Peter is back to his old tricks. The Lord says, wait for me. On that show, Peter has gone back to his old business. And he's doing what he was not told to do. As I said in the earlier part of the sermon, believers beware, lots of shepherds are fighting to the top spot in our life. And that hour was an hour of failure for Peter. And yet the Lord was so gentle and kind. And only he is... That kind of shepherd and we will not find any shepherd like him. As I said to you, allows this same man, restores him and then later he writes about this great God. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness. We are also told that sheep are foolish creatures. In fact, they are probably the most senseless animals on earth. One aspect of their stupidity is seen in the fact that they so easily wander away. They can have a good shepherd who, can, who brings them or brings the sheep to the best grazing lands, near an abundant supply of water and they will still wander away. And a good shepherd would bring them to the best grazing land place and then they'll wander away they will wander away to the fields that are barren and water that is undrinkable and they will even attempt to drink water that they're not supposed to drink they are creatures of habit as I said they may be brought to good grazing land by their shepherd but having found it they may keep on grazing this is another thing they do and so if they're even put on a Nice paddock, good grass. They will, they were told, they eat, they will eat, they will graze, they will graze until every blade of grass and every root is eaten. Then, what happens to that field? The fields are ruined now, and they themselves become impoverished. No other class of livestock requires more careful handling then do the sheep therefore a shepherd who will move them from field to field field, yet always keep them near an abundant supply of water is essential for their welfare and so it says here in verse 3 he guides me in the path of righteousness the basic sense of the phrase over there is safe pathways perhaps even easy roadways would fit But the phrase includes ethical and theological overtones implying that the pathways in which the Lord leads have to do with obedience to the will and law of God. And this is where, as I said earlier, we must surrender to the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, the good shepherd of our lives. We must hand over the steering wheel of our lives to him. Sometimes when we are on the crossroads of decisions, how do we make those decisions? Do we make them on how much this decision will benefit me? Do we make those decisions on how much it will profit me or it will be better for me and my family or my future? Or... Do I trust and rest in the decision of my shepherd? You know, Walk carefully. Because sometimes when you're in those cross decisions or crossroads of decisions, you may be making a decision that is not honoring to your shepherd. Sometimes if you're in the difficulty, pray read god's word if you still can't figure it out go to your pastor talk to the under shepherds in the church get guidance walk in the path of righteousness that's what the chief shepherd wants the good shepherd wants from you keep straight the path of your feet and this is his role he will do it allow him to do, Proverbs 4, 26 and 27 says, tell, tells us, keep straight the path of your feet. Do not serve to the right or to the left or turn your foot away from, but you turn your foot away from evil. The image of the shepherd leading the sheep implies not only that a desirable destination is reached, but also that the journey itself is safe. And then the last part of verse 3 over there, how it ends for the sake of His name. It's a difficult phrase to translate here. What that means. And many commentators say that the claim here. Is on God's promise. And on God's character. For the sake of his name. Sometimes there will be a loss. Sometimes you may not get what you want. Sometimes when those you are in the life. Life on the crossroads of those decisions, you actually let go something. You know why you're doing it? For his namesake. You know, earlier on, I took you to 2 Corinthians 12, where we we looked at the apostle Paul, and when he was troubled in life, you know, as as you read there, this account um, in verse... um, 11 downwards he says and he said to me and this is a conversation here with paul and the lord as the lord says to my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness most gladly therefore i will rather boast about my weaknesses say paul you know desire to be strong but it's okay i boast about my weaknesses so that the power of christ may dwell in me therefore i'm well content with weaknesses with insults with distresses with persecutions with difficulty look at the next phrase you know, would you fancy any of those things? Would you like to be a weak person around all the time? Would you like to be a person who just is insulted all the time? And with living in, in stress all the time? And with persecutions? I'm sure you will pray against those things. But Paul says, I, I let them come this way. It's okay. Let them come my way for Christ's sake. And even he says, for when I'm weak then I am strong. Perhaps the most basic of theological promises is this assurance, I am with you. With so much plentiful provision, now we see that middle part of the psalm which says, our shepherds powerful protection. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David, a man after God's own heart, tells us a very important truth here. On this side of eternity, this Christian life, we will suffer. Be ready for trouble. Be ready for dark valleys. Be ready for death valleys. now another thing i want to say to you is how much we will again dismiss by trying what we can in our power not to walk through those valleys lord take this away from me lord let me not walk down this valley i forbid lord or not forbid but i'd rather pray forbid it lord that it this may not even happen to me or someone else we will pray like that but let me tell you the, the arrangement here from our chief shepherd, good shepherd, is that walking through the valley of the shadow of of death is the same as a green pasture. Because the psalm is not separated. This is a a one unit. And so if you would love verse 2 and 3, then why would you not think that verse 4 would not be important in your life? Of course, we would like to have our souls restored. We would like to be guided in the paths of righteousness. We would like to lie down in green pastures. But walking through the valley of the shadow of would you welcome that? You would not. According to this psalm, you must allow that season to come. As much as you would dread. In this stage here of the psalm, the psalmist illustrates his trust in the unique shepherd king house. And that's verses 4 to 6. This verse is often used to comfort those who are dying. And it is not wrongly used in this way. God is certainly a source of comfort in a person's dying moments. However, this verse primarily speaks... Of the shepherd's ability to protect his sheep in moments of danger which is now. Again the picture Keller points out here is of the seasonal passage from the lowlands where sheep spend the winter through the valleys to the higher pastures where they go in summer. The valleys are places of rich pasture and much water. But. They are also places of danger. Wild animals lurk in the broken canyon walls. Sudden storms may sweep along, with the, along the valley floors. There, there may be floods. Since, since the sun does not shine into the valley very well, they really are shadows, which at any moment may become shadows of death have you ever gone hiking not so much in a trail that's already marked out but it's like this is more wild and uh, those of you who have done that uh, we our family had a, a little episode uh, where we were in a place called um, newberry springs this was uh, between nevada and california And we we went there for a couple's retreat. And so as we were staying there at this place, it was a retreat center, Christian retreat center. They had lots of things to do, lots of activities to do there. One of the activities that intrigued me was to climb up this hill and go to the top of the hill. As they had placed a cross over there. So I wanted to take a picture of myself climbing up there but also I knew if I went on the top I could have a good 360 view So they here they they allow that to to happen but they they say you must take a local guide do not they discourage you from going on your own why because that valley has the most deadliest the second most deadliest insect uh, the flying insect secondly that valley raven is filled with rattlesnakes so don't go on your own so we had a guide who was going to take us and we were happy to go he said we need to leave early because, because if the sun is up it's going to be scorching heat as you know it's a desert and so we left and following him now along the way he, he, he told us few things and I kept asking uh, when was the last time you came across a rattlesnake and things like that just to calm myself because I didn't want to you know, come in contact with mom neither did my family and as we came into that particular place we saw this particular insect flying insect I forgot its name it was very difficult to pronounce but the guy told me that this is the most deadliest if it stings you you won't die. But you will scream for five minutes non-stop. That's how painful it is. And I thought to myself, we should go back to our cottage now. And as we were passing, you know, uh, the reason that happened was because there were rain and there were trees, the flowers that blossom, and so these uh, flying insects came. And so as we were walking this far from those flying insects. It was so risky. I don't know why we did it there to do that. But we're not looking that, we're also making sure our pathway is safe from trouble. So we, we went and thank God uh, we had no such episodes as we went to those valleys and we came closer to the mountaintop and, and finally we, we made it. It was, it was a difficult pathway, we had to jump and uh, we had to help each other pulling one another up and so after uh, going up there it was such a fun time. Uh, just taking a picture at the cross, it was so special and it was time to come back. And as we were down, coming back in that valley, uh, passing through the uh, same place we have come through and the guide was ahead of us and there was one place that was almost uh, this high and, and so he jumped and, and then it was between me and my daughter, Abby, and, and, I, and, I, and I said, Abby, you jump first and then I'll jump. And as soon as Abby jumped, I saw something fly from underneath her feet. And I thought, what was that? Because I was the third one going to fly. And our guide got very scared because he had just jumped. And what had happened is when Abby was in the midair, there was a rattlesnake that it was was one that can fly sideways. It flew from the, the place where it buried itself in the sand into a crevice of the rock. Now that guide could have stepped on it. Abby could have stepped on it. I could have stepped on it. Ashwin, who is my wife here, yeah, she would not want to jump now. Because where she's standing on the rock, that rattlesnake—it's wild, it's poisonous, it's deadly—it's right there. So we had to convince her it's okay. The guide says okay. He was there. If Abby would have jumped on that rattlesnake. We were very far from any motor vehicle or hospital. And later on when I came and I googled to see how deadly these things are, this is what I discovered. It's not so much the big one, big rattlesnakes that are dangerous. It's, it's the baby ones because they're inexperienced. And once they bite, they, they pump all the poison in you. No experience. And so that image of those sheep going to a new pasture land, new new, you know, they've already grazed here. And how much I mean, we just came across rattlesnake and, and those flies. Think about all the other dangerous animals you can think of that can bother the sheep. And that's what the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, of things that can harm and kill you. He says, I fear no evil. I fear no evil. And how come in such times someone can take that stand and say, I fear no evil. I'm not scared. The next part answers the question, for you are with me. You know, I had to talk to Abby through that situation and said, you could have been in glory right now. Me carrying a dead body down this raven and you would be King Jesus. Your life could have been over. It was just God's kindness. Maybe his finger that pushed that rattlesnake to move away from our pathway. Lots of dangerous things come our way. Lots of evil things come our way. Life sometimes goes through passages that are so dark. That, really, that word over here simply means of them, It's deep darkness. Have you ever been in a dark place where you put your hand, your, your palm right in front of your eyes and you still can't see? That's the idea here in this psalm. Many trusting Christians can go through difficult times and even some experience lifelong pains or regrets or sorrows. So then the question we must ask, is this, what are these green pastures? Why am I going through these valleys? Is this this now different? Well, real rest is found in Jesus and solid sustenance is feeding on him. Put another way, In what way is the tortured martyr the exhausted single parent, the grief-stricken widow, the pain-wrecked hospital patient, the struggling sinner, or the half-starved fed world saint? How do they see their relationship with the shepherd? Has the shepherd deserted them? That's why they are in that situation. Lying down in green pastures. Or being led by still waters. How different is verse 4 now for their life? The answer is found in Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace. Says the author of Hebrews. Who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. The great shepherd of the sheep. By the blood of the eternal covenant equip you with every good that you may do his will walking in us that which is pleasing in his sight through jesus christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen note here the green fields of god are found pay attention to this the green fields of god are found not in the absence of pain It is still green. It's in the peaceful, perfecting walk of sanctification that is through Jesus Christ and to his glory. Sometimes those dark valleys are important for the sanctifying work of our Lord. Sometimes those valleys are important so that we would magnify Christ And others will see and glorify God in heaven. Don't forget the shepherd who makes you lie down in green pastures does so by making you more and more perfect when he puts you through those dark valleys. The closer we grow to Christ, the greener the pastures get. Real rest is found in Jesus and solid sustenance is feeding on him. If you have Christ then you have the best God has to offer. If you are relying on Christ, then you are lying down in the greenest pastures to be found on earth or in heaven. And the psalmist says here, for you are with me. You know, that aspect over here, when we have personal problems, when we have personal peril, what this truth, the way it encourages you and me, personal peril is overcome by personal presence and protection ever seen a little child in a mall or one of the departmental stores by themselves crying and, and, and looking you know and scared what had happened there's been a departure from parental care. And until and unless the child is returned to the safekeeping, there's so much restlessness. But just to see mom and dad down that aisle over there, or, or, or however they get reunited, that personal presence takes care of the personal peril. Such is with us when we will go through evil, evil comes our way all we need is the shepherd's presence that's what Sami says the fear evoking danger of that presence is more than balanced by the courage providing fear removing presence of the Lord and so his rod and his staff they comfort me better translated that word it gives me courage and finally as we come down to those last two verses, our shepherd's pleasure and presence. You know, we often talk about God without talking to God. Have you ever thought about that? Have you fixed that situation in your life? Think what I'm saying here. We too often talk about God without talking to God. We can give mental assent through certain Bible teaching. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is a shepherd, Jesus is awesome. But not to say to Jesus, rule my life as my Lord. Be my shepherd, help me to walk in awe of you. I suggest to you on the basis of David's 23rd Psalm that the fearlessness we feel in life's valleys is in direct proportion to the personal communion and fellowship we have with our shepherd. Perhaps you and I don't have David's confidence that we need fear no evil because you and I don't have David's one-on-one personal intimate communion with the shepherd. Perhaps we have talked a lot about grace without walking in that grace, enjoying that grace, the privileged grace has purchased for us. And there is a never-ending soul-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. Kela also has a chapter in which he describes how ancient shepherds used a mixture of olive oil, sulfur and spices to protect their sheep from insects. You know, we would use insect repellents. What would a shepherd use on the sheep? Mixture of olive oil, sulfur and spices. And this protects the sheep from insects and promotes the healing of infectious skin diseases, and it takes care of the parasites. And so that's the image over here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. And with all this said, I love verse 6. David says, Surely goodness and loving kindness." will follow me here the personal privilege that you have being in the presence of and what a privilege that is this personal privilege is imputed by personal pursuit you know who doesn't want to go after good things in life right now as we have entered into a new year I'm sure you are already working on some of the things that you want to get to and there is a pursuit of that. When we rest in Christ. And not really run after these things. We won't be those who are the losers. Who are right behind. These truths here we find. Yes, is Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. He says. Will follow you. Instead of you running after. These Two beautiful things written here. Goodness and mercy. Cursed in Hebrew. Loving kindness. They will chase me. And chase me aggressively. That's the word pugnacious there. You won't, won't give up on me. You know some of us pursue things. We chase after and then we give up. i leave it. Let it go. But imagine goodness and mercy. Chasing you never giving up that's the promise of the shepherd upon your life and with all this where does it all end and he says and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever the god is the psalmist destination my friends the lord your shepherd has mapped out for you an exciting adventure go with his script here the Son of God is our shepherd, cares for us and provides for us. You know, I come from a ministry where I've seen this firsthand. We have a theological institution where we offer full scholarship as we train young men for Christian work. And when I say full scholarship, we have them stay with us, room and board, tuition, and we take no money from them. And yet... We don't have any kind of foundation or anything generating so much money so that we can run the school. Then how do we do it? We trust this shepherd. And so our college never has like a yearly budget set out. That okay, we have all this money. We can now run the school for 12 months. It's 48 years now. And never has a day gone by when we had to shut down operations because... We cannot operate. You know why? So we have a good shepherd. He knows how to run his business. That Bible college institution is his business. And all we need to do is not be s- smart or clever and, and, and come up with our own ideas. And No, we just rest in him. We need to live for the Lord every day of our lives. Do you see a need of a daily, deeply involved shepherd to protect and direct your every decision, thought, motive and action? Then his promised presence is the greatest comfort imaginable. And you need not fear evil. Evil can cripple us. But remember, he is with us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the good and wonderful and loving shepherd you are. We would confess this morning we are your wayward sheep. We run into our own things. We don't listen to you sometimes. Help us, O oh Lord, to totally surrender and know that you have worked it all out for our lives. And it's that only to our best interest, Lord, that we follow you. Help us to that end. In Jesus' name, amen.